Hello, friends and comrades. Welcome to a new episode of the Highlands Bunker podcast. Rob here in the shadow of Rockford Tower, deep in the nerve center of the Delaware Way elite. Carl is monitoring, as always, from a secure remote location. Our guests today are the co-coordinators for Network Delaware's campaign to end debtors' prison. I am pleased to introduce uh, both Miriam Dayday. Hello, Miriam. Hello. And Lynn Keelhorn. Lynn, how are you? Great. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for joining uh, so this morning, um, knowing we we're going to have this conversation, I read up and updated myself on the status of the Department of Justice uh, consent decree in Ferguson, Missouri, that was issued in 2016. So if people don't remember, after Michael Brown was killed by the police there, the DOJ did an investigation and found that the entire system in Ferguson was basically designed to keep poor people and black people under heel. Uh, a great deal of systemic architecture had to do with targeting poor and black people for petty offenses, traffic violations and fines and so on, um, basically to fund the municipal government. Uh, it probably won't surprise you that after five years on these issues, Ferguson uh, is nowhere near settled. Uh, but the practice of weaponizing fines and fees as both a form of social control and as a municipal funding mechanism is not unique to Ferguson. Uh, upon examination, uh, Delaware's policies and practices look quite similar to many of those at the worst uh, state governments. And so that the first thing I'd like to talk about is some work that's been done at Fordham University at the National Center for Access to Justice. Um, they put together uh, sort of an index uh, and looked at a lot of different factors at a lot of different states to try to uh, provide some information about who's doing well and where and who's doing poorly. Um, I, I think as the factors were defined, um, Delaware's performance is absolutely abysmal. Uh, but let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Um, would one of you like to give just a sort of a brief background uh, and, and kind of how they go about um, doing their measurements? Sure. Uh, they set uh, 17 different benchmarks in place of things that they um, consider best practices for uh, the states to engage in, and then ranked all 50 states in the District of Columbia and District of Columbia based on those 17 benchmarks. Uh, Delaware only uh, hit two out of the 17, which gave us a score of just eight out of 100, and made us ranked 47th out of the 50 states and the NDC. Um, so, it's shame on us. It's not a good ranking, something um, we need to work to correct um, very quickly. The only states that scored worse than Delaware were Kansas, Arkansas, Alabama, and Wyoming. Can you talk a little bit about um, some of the factors, some of the specific factors that are sort of driving the score way down? Where, where are we failing the most um, and how... How are those things measured and, and how are they reflected sort of in this index? Uh, how, how does it sort of uh, indicate sort of where, where we're at? Um, I can speak a little bit to that. So um, they grouped the 17 policies into five categories. So abolition of harmful practices, uh, like the imposition of predatory user fees, 
Um, a lot of courts and court systems have fees that are specific to using parts of that court system. So, for instance, in Delaware, in certain courts, you are charged more in court fees if you um, ask for a jury trial versus if you waive your constitutional right to a jury trial and instead have a bench trial. Um, they also looked at steps to ensure that fines um, are cognizant of what a person can actually afford to pay in Delaware for most fines and fees, courts don't have any discretion to actually waive any of them. There are two exceptions um, where there is some discretion written into how those fees were created, but otherwise for the vast majority of court debt that people are issued, the courts actually have no discretion. Um, they also looked at eliminating unreasonably punitive consequences of not paying fines, um, like suspending driver's licenses and billing rights. Um, in that, Delaware has made very little progress. We suspend driver's licenses um, for unpaid court fines and fees, and um, often that's done without the people even having proper notice or an ability to contest it. Um, although that is also an area where we're not, we're not the worst player, um, because some states are worse in terms of taking away people's voting rights um, if they have outstanding court debt. In Delaware, if you are on probation, if you're still serving a sentence for something that would have taken away your voting rights, then um, you can't get those voting rights back until you finish the sentence. But, um, and you can be kept on probation because of unpaid court debt, but court debt itself does not, um, does not take away your voting rights. Um, and then they also looked at data collection and transparency. Um, what kind of reporting there is on fines and fees collection and where it's going. There's very little information on that in Delaware. That's something that our campaign has had issues with, is really trying to collect more information on how much money is going into the general fund from court fines and fees, how much money is going um, into specialized funds from court fines and fees, and how that's being collected and, and how much is uncollected. Uh, and then lastly, um, they also looked at policies that mitigate the impact of fines and fees in light of um, the economic harm from the COVID-19 pandemic. In that, Delaware um, had done some, um, I, I think that had made some good moves. Um, Delaware had suspended habeas bench warrants for unpaid court debt during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we were told <laughs> that um, that will continue as long as there's a judicial emergency in place. Um, as far as we know, it is still happening. Um, people are not, not getting um, bench warrants for failure to pay right now. There have been some exceptions uh, where we have had uh, folks that are impacted tell us that they did get warrants during that pandemic, but I think that those were largely errors. Um, but uh, we are concerned about when those will start again. The latest uh, judicial emergency, I think extended uh, emergency just until July. Uh, and the courts are opening back up again and moving on to the phases where um, a lot of things that had been suspended during the pandemic are starting again. So we are concerned when they will start issuing key cases for failure to pay and thus suspending driver's licenses and all the other things that go along with it. Yeah, perhaps you can uh, also talk about some impacts because there's a couple of those that I want to talk to in detail and, and sort of the, the social impact involved. Um, the idea that anyone is anyone has to pay for the for a right that they have, I think, should 
should really shock people, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I know a lot of people can just pay the $50 or $100, but a, a lot of people can't. And t the idea that if I don't have, you know, whatever the fee is, that I can't access the criminal justice system and, and, and at least try to get a fair hearing, I think sh is, is really is, is scandalous. Um, but on top of which, we have what are mostly punitive things, um, like taking someone's driver's license away um, because of unpaid fees unrelated to any traffic sort of violations. Um and and also not being able to f not being able to find out where all this money is going or why i mean it it, sh it probably will not surprise any regular listener um to us that um you know that the rules are extremely opaque there's literally you know there's probably no way to easily get any data if it was even available um so yeah that that probably won't surprise a lot of a lot of folks either um, Lynn, maybe you could talk about how um, this sort of rolls into sort of a, a ongoing social issues and how the punitive nature for, for poor and black people, you know, it, it really just it's creating more problems than it's that's there to solve. It is. And starting all the way back at the beginning, it starts with even the level of um, payments expected. So a simple one hundred dollar fine. Um, once all the fees are added on top of that can often be over $500 that is owed to the court by the time you add on, you know, the whole list of fees that are required, those fees that are going to simply fund government services, some of them court related and some of them not even having anything to do with the court. So those fees get um, add up and uh, usually surpass the cost of the fine itself. Um, so recognizing that folks are then burdened with a very uh, large uh, court debt. Um, we also like to bring to attention that there was a 2018 Federal Reserve study that found that 12% you know, of all Americans could not pay an unexpected $400 cost. Um, and the percent of criminal defendants who cannot afford an unexpected cost is likely much higher. Uh, since 85% of criminal defendants in Delaware are indigent. So it's definitely a problem that so many of these folks start out with court debt that we know they're not going to be able to, to afford. And then when we go to look at the consequences that are applied when there's a failure to pay, um, not only do they have a capius, but the loss of driver's license. And in 2017, there were over 20,000 driver's licenses suspended in Delaware for failure to pay. And you know, to us, that is just so obviously counterproductive when you take away someone's driver's license and therefore their ability to get to work, to make money, to pay debt. Um, it just seems so obviously counterproductive. And that is one of the major um, legislative changes we're seeking is to end the suspension of driver's license. So all of these um, consequences that add up and trap folks in a spiral of debt and poverty, um, that is felt most by um, our brown and black community, um, disproportionately so. So this is definitely um, one of those issues that is having a far bigger impact on that community. 
Yeah, as I said uh, before we started recording, a uh, friend of show, uh, Judge Chadley Kuhn, <coughs> Kuhn uh, this is her big sort of issue is, is the driver's license uh, re- revoking uh, because she's seen it firsthand in a lot of other, in family court. Um, you know, we, we, we pile on fees, we, we, we do other punitive measures, and really all we're doing is sort of tearing at the fabric of society, you know, and, and ruining the lives of our neighbors uh, for no for no good reason really that no, that anybody can that anybody can really um, can really point to um, So let's get it. Let's get into some of the ways some of the things that we're asking for um, in Senate bill 39 and, and, and other legislative things in Dover uh, That can kind of address some of these uh, some of these issues um, Can you talk about a little bit about the bill that was introduced? I will I always have to say this it was introduced in 2019 we are two years past the time it was introduced, so I, I think you know it's 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 high time to start moving on some of these things. Um, can can one of you give us um, a sort of a rundown of sort of what's in the bill and what the status of it is currently? Yeah, I um, I, and before we get into the what's in the bill, I think the history of what has happened is really relevant here. So um, Senate Bill 39 was um, drafted in large part by the De- Delaware Center for Justice, um, who had done great work advocating for it. And it was sponsored by Senator Darius Brown. Um, it was introduced in the Senate Judiciary Committee and didn't make it out of the committee. Um, our campaign has started um, after it was introduced and, and the goal of our campaign has been to decriminalize poverty. Um, and we actually, I think we were originally called like the campaign to decriminalize poverty. And we thought that was too, it was too wordy. <laughs> um, and um, so we had seen this bill and um, kind of latched onto it as a cause that we really, really care about. Um, it hadn't made it anywhere. And then, um, you know, in, in the last legislative session was, was when COVID hit. Um, and so there was just no chance that. Um, we had we had done a lot of work behind the scenes, uh, talking with talking and trying to talk with legislators, um, and actually talking with the attorney general's office, the office of defense services, um, and um, and the courts. And there is a draft bill, um, and for months now we have been in conversations with all of those parties, where it has been said. You know, we're just doing this last thing. We just have this one thing we need to work out. It'll happen soon. It'll happen soon. And it's now June 2nd and nothing has been introduced. This was one of the top 10 priorities that Attorney General Kathy Jennings had listed for this legislative session, but nothing has been introduced. So um, our big priorities, and some of these were in Senate Bill 39, and some of them are things um, that were not. Um, or that we slightly modified, but our big priorities um, are one, that fines and fees should be waived for people who cannot afford them. Other states have this in place. Delaware has no discretion right now to waive fines and fees. Um, The courts have spoken um, both publicly and privately about uh, that this is a tough issue for them Um, and that they, they, you know, that their hands have been tied for a long time. They don't like this system and want to be able to not, you know, give people debt that they can't afford, um, but that they have no discretion right now. And we want to actually have um, 
Senate Bill 39 had originally uh, proposed that there would be some sort of analysis of people's ability to pay that would happen before they were sentenced and given court fines and fees. And um, there was pushback on that because the idea was that that was going to be too much of a burden. Um, a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of these fines and fees come from small cases that usually work through the court system very quickly. Um, we have a statistic: um, uh, over ninety-seven percent of all crimes and violations in Delaware in twenty nineteen were misdemeanors. Um, so a lot of these are cases that are designed to process through the system fast. Um, and there was pushback that the idea of doing a full analysis of ability to pay would bog down the system irreparably. So we, we advocate that um, at a minimum, fines and fees should be waived for anyone represented by the Public Defender's Office or the Office of Defense Services. Those are people that a state agency has already determined are indigent or unable to pay fines and fees like this. So there's already been a process that those people were deemed needing of that kind of help. Um, and so we think an automatic waiver there would make sense. Um, and in fact, should be just very, very common sense. The other thing we advocate for is waiving fines and fees for anyone that is on other social services that the state, again, has already deemed um, you know, poor or indigent or unable to pay these kinds of things. Uh, there is precedent that this should be a process that can happen um, in schools. Uh, schools are able to determine who needs reduced lunches without you know, needing to do an individualized analysis for each and every student. There's no reason that the court system should be able to have access to the data that another branch of government already has for when people are unable to pay. We also advocate for not suspending driver's licenses for any reasons unrelated to driving. Um, there's this thing that I, I hear a lot of people in the justice system talk about which is that um, driving is a privilege, not a right. And we strongly contest that. Um, being able to get to work and make a living, we don't think that's a privilege. Um, we don't think it's a privilege to be able to take your kids to school in the morning. We don't think it's a privilege to be able to get to the grocery store um, and buy what you want and what you need. We had, um, someone we'd spoken to who had her license suspended, and still currently has her license suspended, tell us that she's never able to buy watermelon when she goes to the grocery store because she has to walk to the grocery store. And the idea of buying a watermelon, which is heavy, um, and also, you know, you can, you can make do without watermelon. Um, she, never, she never gets to eat watermelon at home because she doesn't have a driver's license. So we're taking joy away from people's lives. And, and, and we're also taking away just their basic ability to support themselves and to have a fulfilling life. And we don't think that's a privilege. We think that is a right. Um, so we advocate for not suspending driver's licenses for failure to pay, um, for failure to appear. The courts also suspend driver's licenses in certain cases where someone fails to appear for a court hearing. Um, that one in particular, how do you get to court if you don't have your driver's license anymore? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so get, take away. You can't. You can't make it. So we're going to take away your ability to make it the next time. Right. Makes um, sense. And you know, I I used Dart um, 
before the pandemic, I took dart every day. Um, I've been biking more than taking dart lately, but uh, I, I'm still a regular bus rider. It is hard. It is hard. Um, I, especially, you know, if, if you have someone who has a court hearing and let's say they live in there, or God forbid they live in, you know, somewhere in Sussex County and they have to make it to Newcastle County Courthouse, there just isn't a bus. Yeah, I mean, I've I've made this point uh, before because I'm a, I'm a huge bus rider. Uh, before the pandemic, I've been on a couple times since masked up. Um, but yeah, I live in Wilmington and I worked in Wilmington. Or I I don't I, everything I'm doing is like here, so it's sort of Wilmington centric. So it's I I can it's 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 feasible. It's something that I can do. But I can't imagine anybody even taking the six down all the way down Kirkwood Highway to Newark. Say. Yeah, I can do that if I'm going to spend the day or, or whatever I'm doing. But, I mean, are you really going to sit on a two, uh, take a two-hour bus ride from Wilmington all the way to Newark when it would take 20 minutes if you drove? I mean, it's just not, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not uh, appropriate. And, um, yeah, I think one of the things I saw on the website, uh, the National Center for uh, Access to Justice, which I thought was a, lo- a very good resource. We're going to link to it. Um they use the word cruelty, that a lot of this has to do with cruelty. Um, certainly, you know, some funds are gathered and people rely on those to, to make an argument. Um, you know, I, we were talking to, uh, a, 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 no, what maybe it wasn't an elected official. It might have been another activist who was talking to a, a, an elected official about these topics and said, well, what about the people who can pay? Like, what about, what about those? Like, that's not, you know, like... Who cares? Like we're talking about completely, we're talking about uh, a system that is creating social and economic hardship and problems that's cruel. And you're just like, what about the money? What about the money? And it's really going to take a a whole change of sort of idea. I mean, this is this is the same reason that you always hear, well, driving is a privilege, not a right. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Like you know that that just means that I just want to say sort of a glib, make a glib response to something that is a cruel process like you can demonstrate the cruelty um and and so i think that's the the biggest trick here is and i I bring this up with all these different issues is like to get people to change the way they think about it and and i wonder i'm sure you've had these difficult conversations um i i wonder if you could share sort of how you go about sort of having this uh, mindset change conversation Long term, one of the things that we really want to do is get folks to completely shift the framework and the way they think about this so that we don't have fees funding government services. That's what taxes are for. And so our long term goal is to eliminate all fees and shift the burden of that revenue generation to where others come from, and that is the the tax base, and leave what fines are necessary for the punitive reasons and based on someone's ability to pay, deal with that in the court system, but eliminate all the fees. And so in terms of what we're looking for in legislation now that we want introduced, you know, we're taking on just um, a few fees, some of the most egregious, like the public defender fee, um, as well as uh, KPSV and kiosk fee are sort of the top three that we said, well, let's see if we can eliminate these three in this go around. 
but long-term wanting to get rid of all of them and just rethink how that's funded. Yeah, and I think of it like, um, in terms of changing people's perspective and changing how they think about it, I think of it like, first off, there's the cruelty argument. People should, no one should have to live a life without watermelon. Um, And no one should have to fear calling the police when they're a victim of a crime because they know that they have arrest warrants just because because of poverty. Um, And, you know, I've, I've talked to people who are... I've talked to people who have expressed suicidal thoughts because of the insurmountable court debt that they have or what feels like insurmountable court debt. No one should have to live like that. That's not fair. That's not right. Um, And I, you know, for me, that's the most compelling argument. But there's also, you know, for folks that are just like, I don't care about other people, whatever, Um, I'm cool with being cruel. Uh, There's another argument, which is efficiency. You can't get blood from a turnip. And it's incredibly inefficient to try to collect money um, through court fees. There was a study that the Brennan Center did in 2019. Um, It was a study of three states and 10 counties in Texas, Florida, and New Mexico. And it found that for every 40, that the county spent 41 cents for every dollar that they collected through court fines and fees. There was actually one county in New Mexico that spent a dollar and 17 cents for every dollar that they collected. So they spent more money collecting than they did actually in, you know, that they took in. Um, And then by comparison, the IRS spends 34 cents for every $100 that they collect through taxes. So doing a traditional tax versus doing court fees is 121 times more efficient. Yeah, so we have... We have the AG who has been on the program, as they say, and and I know that she is uh, behind a lot of these reforms. Uh, We have the Office of Defense Services who have been on this program. I know they're behind it. We have judges themselves also have been on this program. They're behind it. Um, As you said, there's there's another sort of pat response about, you know, uh, examining everybody's case and it, it jamming up the system that is easily remedied by some of the measures that you said. So who are we going to have to, who are we going to have to go after here? Well, so, I actually, sorry, okay. I, I think no, we need please. to factor all of those parties. These are all parties that have said publicly they're behind it. These are all parties that can absolutely get legislation introduced and passed if they want to. And if they make it a priority, where's the bill? We know that there's a bill drafted. We know that there is support that has been communicated publicly and privately to us for for a lot of the things that we've said that we want, but there's nothing introduced. You know, it's easy to say you support fines and fees, but um, we're at the point where we're kind of done hearing people talk about their support for fines and fees. We want to see action. I have no doubt that um, the folks who are saying they want to see an improved fines and fees system do. Um, but we've lost confidence that um, this is gonna move in the time frame that we think is meaningful. To us, there's a sense of urgency and this needs to be addressed this legislative session. And we're frustrated because we're losing confidence that that's going to happen. So our campaign wants to mount some more public pressure. Um, 
and say, we've had enough of the behind the scenes conversations trying to move this along. Let's you know do what we can to make sure the public is heard and that folks know that there is a sense of urgency in the community to get this, um, to, to improve the system. I think if every public official that has said that they support fines and fees reform had to go without a driver's license until they got reform passed, we would have seen change a lot sooner. Yeah, or if we instituted something like the country of Finland has, and when you ran a stop sign, you got you got charged, you know, a, a, a tiered uh, a tiered fine based on your income, and you walked away with a two thousand dollar fine instead of a two hundred dollar fine because that's when a poor person has to pay two hundred dollars. It's it's a it's a huge burden, and and it you know it's it's cruel. Uh, but when you can just r stroke a check, if we raise those, if we raise those fees on people who could pay and had the means to pay, I think we would see, uh, you know, people hop too. Um, but again, it's, it's it's just a mindset. People don't know that this is a thing that that can be done, has been done, should be done. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fairly pessimistic. I'm a cynical. You know, I've seen too many um, too many Delaware General Assemblies to expect really anything. Um, but the good news, but the good news now is that the public pressure on a lot of these things seems to be going up and up and up, and the political consequences seem to be uh, manifesting themselves. Uh, something Carl is always keen to to bring up. Uh, you know, we're we're serious now on the electoral side. So yes, we have expectations, and if you don't meet our expectations, uh, you know, your 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 electoral life is going to be is going to be miserable we're coming after you you know so so yeah i i hope i, I hope that there are i hope something happens uh because there 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 is some some very easy things that should be done immediately the driver's license one and i had heard before somebody explained to me sort of the the, the how it would work to to basically say look um if you have defense services, if you are on, you know, if you get uh, Medicaid for your kids, uh, if you get food stamps for your family, uh, then you don't pay. There's no fee for you. you just, that's it. Um, this is a very simply simple to implement, takes all of the sort of the administrative end of it out because it's already done. And so, uh, yeah, if you if you have uh, if you're in public housing and you have a public housing voucher, you don't pay now. If people are against this and they don't want to do these sort of simple, simple to implement changes, I, th I think words are going to be used about your position on things that you're not going to like, uh, but it's going to happen. Um, uh, I'm going to go back to the cruelty thing again. Um, you know, we cannot we, we need to think about better ways to uh, to just to just run our state and our society and our neighborhoods and our community. And this is this is a huge, huge um, part of it. So, what are next steps? What are you guys doing through the through the campaign and through Network Delaware to ramp up that pressure? What can other, what can people do to get involved to do this? The one thing that we already did um, over a month ago now was a traditional letter writing campaign, and we reached almost three hundred letters sent to the Senate Judiciary Committee, the AG's office, Governor Carney, and the writers um, rep and, and senator. So, you know, we started, you know, with some of that initial public pressure. 
Um, and now we want, and you know, letters um, to the editor, opinion pieces, that kind of stuff. Now we want to make it, um, you know, a little more forceful and get uh, more out there in this next week because we at least need to get um, a bill introduced and start getting people on record where they're taking a position on the specifics. It's a, it's too easy to say in general, you support fines and fees reform, and then the rubber hits the road when there's specific language and being able to say, yes, I back that or no, I don't. Yeah, is there any, um, and, and I don't know even from a legislative, uh, administrative standpoint, whether this is possible. I also don't know how uh, it works in Delaware, but uh, we, you know, comrades of ours did introduce uh, police reform, criminal justice reform broadly. Um, so while the while the Franklin Cook Cop Committee kind of fizzled out, um, there is written legislation that's been filed on that. And it seems to me like this sort of uh, this sort of this part of the criminal justice system, low level stuff that's basically used to have a have a capious warrant out on somebody. So, you know, you got them once you once you once you've gotten the fees to a point where somebody can't pay and they have a warrant, you have that person. You can do whatever you want with that person. They will not call the police. If you find them doing anything, you can pick them up. You can you can. I mean, we've seen what the cops do to to people in this situation. And so it seems like a good tie-in, like uh, as part of this larger move to address the criminal justice problems that are tearing at the fabric of our communities. Um, it seems like a good tie-in. Is is that a, is that thing possible? And if it is possible, has anybody discussed sort of uh, adding something to that and trying to? come up with a, a, a criminal justice reform package that includes some of the criminal justice and police reforms and some of the fines and fees reforms? So many of the folks working on our campaign to end debtors prison do overlap with those of us working on the police reform as well. Um, and as you probably know, one of the things that we think was successful in getting progress on the police reform, specifically the Leobor bill, was when um, some of us went public with a letter, those of us, and I was one of the nine serving on one of the task force subcommittees, um, signing a letter saying we'd lost confidence in the process, that this was gonna result in anything meaningful happening this legislative session. And that we felt that, um, if the task force wasn't going to step up and make recommendations that the Black Caucus should um, not wait for that and just take action because the community had spoken and we knew what needed to be done. And I think what we've learned from that is that kind of public pressure can make things happen. And that's why I think our campaign to end debtors prison is now saying, okay, what can we do to now um, bring that same sort of public pressure to the system to say the community expects better. We, it needs to be introduced now. We're not gonna wait anymore. Um, and just to, to add a little shout out, um, for anyone listening to this and thinking, how can I get more involved? I really care about this. Man, that Lynn and Miriam are so persuasive. Um, if you wanna join our campaign, that's a great way um, to help us build pressure to make this stuff happen. Um, please email us, nddebtorsprison at gmail.com. 
Yeah, and we will definitely um, uh, put the put the link up um, to a lot of this stuff because we you know we had looked at a lot of material and we definitely put it on the show notes um, to to get. So it's just very easy, somebody to click right on it and, and get involved. Find out what's going on. Find out what you can do, what phone calls you can make, what letters you can write, who you can go visit. Um, I myself um, called my senator, Sarah McBride. I saw her name uh, and, and called her as a constituent. I told her off the record, not as a, not really a journalist anyway, but whatever I am, um, because I was concerned. I was concerned that, um, you know, that the... The real reformers had had no confidence in the task force. I mean, I, I wasn't surprised by that, but we did a whole show with Crystal Womack. Uh, I did see, Lynn, your name on those letters. Uh, we're also, you know, uh, uh, associate bunker associate uh, Dr. Yasser Payne is also uh, was a signatory. Um, but uh, with everything that happened with Darius Brown, and we've covered that, um, but he was a, he was a main sponsor, and and. You know, uh, his his he's he's faced now professional sanction for some trouble he got into, which is which I think is probably correct. Um, but I hope that that sort of that those kind of ancillary sort of problems don't stall uh, stall this out or don't work as a sort of as a counterweight based on everything else everybody else is doing. And um, yeah, call your you know call your representatives and just. Tell them this is something that needs to be done um, if you feel strongly about it, because um, I do. I think it's 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 extremely important. And I think it's extremely important that people like people call and not just say I want fines and fees reform. Say I want real fines and fees reform now. I want it before June thirtieth. I want us to stop suspending driver's licenses. I want people to be able to eat watermelon in their home. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Well, I mean, we've uh, you guys were so. I mean, I'm a little. I'm inspired now. You guys gave sort of a great sort of shorthand to be able to have a five minute conversation with your with your representative or your senator on the phone and say, you know, there's an easy way to identify people who can't pay. Let's do that. There, we shouldn't be taking people's driver's licenses away for non uh, uh, non driving offenses. Let's do that. Uh, you know, we shouldn't have open capious warrants out on people, so it's a it's a means of social control. Um, you know, all of these people agree with it. The AG, defense services, these judges. There, I just did it in forty five seconds. Yeah, be be very be, be very specific because if it's general, it kind of gets blown off. But if you're specific, you sound like you know what you're talking about. And believe me, I do a lot to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, and 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 um, I I think. That is really going to help. Uh, I, elected officials have told me, like, I kind of, I used to brush it off, but they said, yeah, if we get a bunch of calls about people giving us, uh, giving a stick about particular specifics and details, um, you know, it does, it does go a long way in Dover. So uh, please consider doing that. And this is, I think, you, like you said, this is something that really everyone can and should support. Um, I, I'm not sure about local law enforcement's uh, views on this, but at the federal level, our senator, Senator Coons, um, introduced a federal bill that would incentivize states to pass fines and fees reform around driving. Um, it would create a fund so that states could apply um, for, for grants to no longer suspend driver's licenses for unpaid debt. And it's supported by, it's supported by federal, or by national level um, police organizations. Because Having a whole bunch of people with arrest warrants when they haven't done anything wrong is 
it's tough for the police as well. That's a, it's a waste of resources. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, again, I take a pretty cynical look at this. I... Just being in Delaware and knowing how the police operate, I mean, Lynn saw it firsthand in some of these subcommittees on the task force. Um, no, they want these capious warrants out because they can harass, they can bring people in, they can run them, you know, and run them off, you know, they can do it. You could, as I said before, that's a, that's a, a means, it's a means of controlling people you want to control. Absolutely. I like to argue both. I like to say, look, it's a means of control. We shouldn't give them that. This is corrupt. Police do not do good. And then I also like to argue, even if you think the police are good guys, they don't want it either because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it, it makes no sense. And, and I think that's the other thing, too. I hope people start having conversations about this and and understanding that, you know, talking about driving being a, a privilege, not a right, talking about uh, this is how we do it, where are we where are we how are we going to fund, you know, this particular court or, or, or whatever. This this is all I mean, pardon me, but this is all bullshit. And so pe and people need to start engaging and understanding that um, this, this, the, the fact that this is how we do it now is not an argument. And the fact that we don't want to change this because, uh, you know, we're, we're set in our ways, like, you know, that, that's not an argument for anything. Um, you sh people should be made to feel embarrassed if they use that kind of talk when we're talking about this kind of stuff. So I hope I hope today this kind of gave people the ammunition they might need to start having these conversations and sort of understanding where you guys are coming from, because I think it's going to be extremely important um, as we again, uh, as you mentioned, Miriam, as we as we're starting to get closer and closer to the the end of the session. Once again, uh, you know, not a lot of stuff is happening. So uh, now is the time to uh, to turn it up, get the get the kettle on a boil and 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 and, uh, and let's see what happens because time's running out. Can I just throw in one more uh, shameful and related fact? Yes. Um, <laughs> and that is that Delaware has the highest misdemeanor per capita rate of any state. And again, that's not something where we want to, <laughs> we don't want those kind of headlines. Delaware should not be the top when it comes to misdemeanors per capita. That's just shameful. And it may not be addressed by the legislation we're proposing, but it's still a related issue and something that plays into the consequences of the fines and fees issue. And, and I know, I feel like with that stat, people love to then say, oh, but maybe it's because we're small. It's not because we're small. Rhode Island is not number two. Um, it, is, it is really a Delaware shameful fact. Um, it's not because we're in the Northeast. It's not because we're small. It's not because we're on the 95 corridor. The police in Delaware just over-arrest people for misdemeanors. Yeah, I think um, hopefully people start to see... Uh, the other one thing I wanted to talk about tying into to criminal justice reform just in general is the, the, the data collection and the transparency. I, I spoke to an activist about this kind of stuff, and, and they were like, it's, it's almost impossible to, to, to track this stuff down. Like, what, like where is it going? So the... the I think people are going to have to demand this this kind of information. They're going to have to demand these kind of changes. They're going to have to demand, you know, police reform and criminal justice reform across the board. Um, yeah, because it's not going to happen just talk, saying that it's a good idea. Um, so I, I can't stress enough um, for anybody listening to 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 get involved in some fashion and get this in, in front of people. So these 
conversations start to happen because especially in this session, time is running out. I think a lot of people, um, a lot of the players in this that have the, they have the influence to just make, I mean, people can make it happen. The parties we talked about, they could make it happen. They could pass these reforms, um, but they're comfortable. But the people that are impacted by this, that can't drive, that are afraid of arrest, they're not comfortable. They're incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and, and I think that's the problem. I think we've let some of our folks in power get too comfortable where they are. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I mean, and, and there's a whole litany of of policies that we've talked about and reforms that we've talked about since the General Assembly came into session this year uh, and, and with, with a lot of new members and there was a lot of excitement about it, um, that these issues are popular. You know, uh, not, you know, not punishing people for being poor is a popular opinion when you discuss it in this manner. Because it's like, why would you do this? It doesn't make any sense. It's not efficient. Uh, it's cruel. Um, it's the same with the $15 minimum wage. Extremely popular. Legalized marijuana. Popular. And so it, it's just going to take turning up that heat because it's, it's a small group of people who are there to make sh to, to really make sure that everything we've always done, we just continue to do in the way that we're doing it because it served the people who are there. And, and, and so we have to be very clear about uh, sort of what we're up against and why this is happening. It's not because there's some, um, you know, there's like, you know, there's diverse opinions about a lot of this stuff. There's, there's not. Um, pretty much, if you talk to a general person and had a five or ten minute conversation as we just did on this issue, they would agree because it just makes sense. Um, and so when you think about that, think about why this isn't happening and why every Senate, every legislative session, we go through the same uh, routine as it winds down into the summertime. Uh, it's not because people don't want this. And I think that's an, I think that's a very important thing to remember for people who are who are going to get going to jump in and do some advocacy for a lot of this stuff. Well said. Well, thank you, Lynn. Um, Lynn, Miriam, thank you so much um, for joining. Is there anything else that you guys are doing that you want to plug or any other links or anything to anybody else uh, that we should get out? I think we did it, folks, once again. Um, so look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Carl and I are committed to doing this work. We're trying to make it fun. We're trying to give you the information you need to make it fun. Um, the studio is going to open back up again after COVID. We've kitted it out with a bunch of new gear. We want to make it professional and entertaining. So if you could, uh, please go to patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker and, and, you know, kick in five, ten dollars a month. You know, help, help, help out Carl. He, he, you know, guy's working his ass off. You can find our stuff at, at Highlands Bunker on Twitter. That's where I post all my funny stuff. All like, you know, maybe not. It's not for everyone. Let's just say that. Uh, but uh, it's, it's fun. And uh, if, if we get enough people engaged, we can start making some of these changes and uh, we can strengthen the fabric of our community. And won't that be nice? Uh, and a note, uh, as uh, Lynn and Miriam said to our elected officials, we're watching you. We're always watching. We may be nice on the phone because we think it's, it's nice, but we're, we're bad-mathing you behind your back. And we're going to make things very, very, very difficult for you come election time. Um, I think we've proven that already. So, once again, Miriam, Lynn, thanks so much for joining. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Left is best, everyone. 